This is Phil Fondicaro from Return of the Jedi, Garbage Pail Kids, Troll, Ghoulies 2, Land of the Dead, Willow, Bordello of Blood, Blood Dolls, Creeps, Meridian, Phantasm 2, you name it, I've been in it. Now listen, hey, this is our Nightmare Joke Kid podcast. of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that 20 years ago may have been a regular at the house of pain jump around my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're delving even deeper into the mouth of march madness as we welcome the media rewind podcast and the blot in front as they help us break down the remaining horror classics from our 2002 bracket and whether or not you've actually adjusted the tracking on a VCR, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. I'll open your TCB hole, man. <laughs> and if you're taking care of business on social media, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and vampire slang shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, March 25th, if you're in the Kansas City area and you want your vampire shenanigans taken care of indoors and virtually just head on to screenland.com and boy, oh boy. The day this releases. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I'm, I gotta watch out for roundhouse kicks. I should have said all up in your uh, roundhouse shenanigans. Our latest Friday Night Fright is technically closing out our month-long embrace of films that have uh, been honorably mentioned mm-hmm. into the mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we've had our examples of '92 mm-hmm. with Amityville. Uh, it's about time. Ooh, what'd you think of May? From 2002's May, dug it. I thought you would. Dug it. It's a rad movie, isn't it? Legitimately, legitimately enjoyed it. Angela Bettis' performance, her eyes, her nonverbal, just... She's adorable. Oh, so good. But you know what? Didn't I tell you about the trailers? Oh, yeah. No, completely misdirect. It Mm -hmm. worked. Uh, 2012, we saw the remake of Maniac last week. (laughs) And from 1982, as Genius said, uh, we're going to be roundhouse kicking evil in the face because we're going to be watching Chuck Norris's Silent Rage. Oh, yes. Fucking Walker, Texas Ranger versus Haddonfield's Michael Myers. This is going to be a great time. I can't Um, wait. Now, by any chance, is this going to be a first timer for you? No. Okay, good. I saw this on 62 back in the day, but I haven't seen it. One, I haven't. I haven't seen it in years, and I haven't seen it unedited. And so uh, to see it in the theater, to see it like I, I, I can, I am so excited to see this. I remember this movie growing up and like fucking loving it. I'm, and you know what? Early buzzes. I think a lot of people are really looking forward to this. So I'm really. It's anxious. Silent Rage. It's fucking Chuck Norris. Gonna be good. Roundhouse kicking people. But then Roundhouse kicking off our uh, month long in April on April first, April Fool's Day. Hmm. We're screening April Fool's Day. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a little on brand. We should like pull a fast one and like show society or like something or like Mac and me. 
or shall we? You remember when we actually did April Fool's Day for Monday Mystery Movie Night, mm-hmm. and we initially tried to set up that the mystery movie night is going to be a Serbian film. <laughs> there, was a, there was a Serbian film pre-show. The, the we even played the long game because we had the month before nerd knowledge of the Serbian film because it was like something vile. It was like martyrs, and then it was human centipede, and look who's talking. Oh no, it was no, it was three men and a baby. Three men and a baby, and right. So we were like, we were, we're apologizing right now for next month Monday mystery movie night, but. The, then like April Fools. <laughs> so needless to say, you will see April Fools on April first. Too bad you're crazy. <laughs> but the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the twenty fifth is a movie that I have we recently saw in the theater back in the day because we hosted a Ray Harryhausen triple feature. Mm-hmm. This is your chance to get to see Clash of the Titans. On the big screen. See it on the big screen. It is so rad. It is beautiful. The stop motion animation still holds up wonderful. The Kraken. And do you remember back in the day, especially in elementary school, when you'd learn about mythology, if you had a cool teacher, they'd show you this movie? Clash of the Titans, yeah. And if you had a really cool teacher, they wouldn't fast forward through the little bits of the nudity that you get, which you're like, oh, I forgot. Same thing with like uh, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet, yes. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now of course if you're not in the kansas city area and you would like to support screenland from afar uh there are a couple of ways that you can do that uh you can go to screenlandonline.com where they do indeed have a number of films that you can rent directly from them or you can become a member of their film family by heading to patreon.com screenland where they have a number of tiers and included in those tiers are a little watch party mm-hmm. that we do. What do we call that, Genius? We call it the Shutter Shoutout. And in fact, our latest one is going to be on that Saturday on the 26th. And the two films that we're going to be streaming off of Shutter actually did both compete mm-hmm. in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1982, we're going to be watching Basket Case. And from 2012, American Mary. Now... Again, those are both streaming on Shutter. But if you join uh, Screenland's film family, we're going to give you access to this exclusive content that we put together. Uh, what do you like to say it is? It's the home game. It's the the play along at home. And what happens when they play along at home? Well, you get a little bit of a exclusive pre-show mm-hmm. uh, introduction by Genius and myself, where we do give a little bit of information and context to the movies, uh, trailer reel for each film, and of course. The post-film discussion mm-hmm. where we process what we've just experienced. We're going to uh, reveal what our thoughts on what was in the basket. <laughs> What's in the basket. Okay, so I just watched Django, the old school Franco Nero Western for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's dragging around the coffin. And I'm just waiting for people to go like, what's in the coffin? Now, do you know what's in the coffin? Mm-mm, what's in the coffin? It's Okay, I don't want to spoil it, but needless to say, it would only be better... If Belial was also in this coffin and came out with what is in the coffin, let's just say you'd hear a lot of, it's pretty great. Old West basket case. I could get down with old West basket case. It would be pretty grand. It would be pretty grand. Uh, Now, that being said, uh, if we are talking uh, film family and Patreon, we also have our own little weird film family over at Patreon. And in fact, 
We got two brand new members here. Ooh. So I'd like to give a shout out to both Rod and Robert, which I believe someone actually fashioned a Rod and Robert. Doodle-loot. Rod and Robert. Doot. Doodle-loot. Oh, Rod and Robert. Well, we're real happy you're part Bally's of Bally's tonight. There, yeah. We should have really practiced that up right there. <laughs> Workshopping. Workshopping it. Well, it's actually really funny. Rod, so it is really nice to have you both part of the film family. Hopefully I won't break my elbow next time I see you. We we need better we need better luck that way. Now at their level, of course, they do have access to our recently unleashed American Werewolf in London commentary, mm-hmm. <laughs> giving paying homage and respect to last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness winner. And here on Monday, they're going to have access to our thoughts on Ty West's X. Ooh, I, I'm looking forward to that one actually, I, I, which is surprising given kind of your track record, right? With Senior West, with C- and from the studio that brought you Hereditary, but it looks interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It, it my interest is peaked, and if your interest is peaked, that could at least lead to some good discussion and mm-hmm. conversation. So again, Rod and Robert, thank you all so much for joining us. You're fucking rad. Now, of course, if you would like to join our film family, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we do indeed have every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time, another place. And speaking of another time, another place, let's go back 20 years here. So let's do a little. uh, And in 2002, as we mentioned last time, it's a little hazy for you, right? Mm hmm. And I, I mention that because, as it turns out, of course, in the round of the Scream 16, we invite some guests to come in. And our guest is no stranger to Into the Mouth of March Madness, but he's definitely no stranger to your shenanigans right? from 2002. <laughs> <laughs> now, Front row seat to the circus. He's going to actually have some good anecdotes here. Now, of course, uh, we've technically kind of coerced him into some film-going experiences he may not have experienced otherwise. (laughs) But I'd like to think at least this time we've got two action-oriented movies. Yes. So if we're talking action, you know we're talking from the Media Rewind podcast, your pal and ours, Dustin Pryor. Welcome to Mount Baldy in the morning. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I was supposed to tone it down a little bit. Different energy, Media Rewind levels. Ah, yes. This this is Nightmare Junkhead After Dark. Yes. <laughs> ASMR. Hello, boys. What's up? Oh, you know, just just to watch a little Bubba Hotep. Yeah, very fresh. Yes, very screening fresh on that one. Yeah. Of that one. Now, speaking of fresh, you all are technically how many episodes now into the new season of The Walking Dead? Twelve. Yes. No, but as tomorrow of, will be thirteen. Well, well, but we're going way in the we're in the future now. In the future, right? So at least twelve, at least twelve in the episode. Plus, and now we're waiting for the uh, second, third part yeah, of the, third the season, act of the- right? Then we're waiting for the new Carol and Daryl spinoff, and then the new Negan and Maggie mysteries. Yep. So for those that are not familiar, this is the Media Rewind podcast is one that Dustin and Genius put together, where they do follow the shenanigans of The Walking Dead, but also a number of other shows. The book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. We got a Obi-Wan. whole bunch of Yeah, we got a whole bunch of content coming out with yeah. that. So you guys are going to be following Obi-Wan? Oh yeah. Now, House of the Dragon comes out later this uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. Let me just say you I think in some sort of group thing there Dustin you asked, "Hey, did you guys see the Obi-Wan trailer?" You know, and I watched it. Oh, man. And I know again the duel of fates kicks in, but listen. You call me 
This is Ewan McGregor, okay? You call me when we see his real lightsaber unleashed. <laughs> That's when Disney is going to get my dollars, okay? When Disney hangs dong? Yes. Until <laughs> then. out of Jawa. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, if it's good enough for Amy Sedaris, hey, it's good true. enough. I mean, Amy Sedaris got some Jawa poons, so I mean, why couldn't Obi-Wan? Exactly. Exactly. It's cold on the sands of Tatooine. So, uh, needless to say, I will be tuning in for right. you guys. Uh, now, those that don't know, where can they find you out on social media? You can find the pod at Media Rewind Pod on Twitter. You can find me at Mount underscore Baldy and Genius at L underscore Genius on yeah. the Twitterverse. I guess. Now, in 2002, how many years into your guys' friendship were you at that point? Uh, that's a good question. Because we've known each other since, what, sixth grade? So that would have made us 12. Oh, we're doing ten, math here. Ten, 10 years? Yeah, like 10 or 11. Yeah, okay, 10 years. Oh, oh, much like what we're celebrating then into the mouth of March Madness, those 10-year right. increments. Yeah. Technically, Something you guys, along those lines. Well, that is, yeah, yeah c- that's true, because I can't do the maths real quick, and I'm sitting there going, 2002, that's only 20 years. So, Wait, oh, so okay. you're exchanging 10 at this point. Oh, yeah. Right. That yeah. is good. We got at least 10 under the belt. So in 2002, Dustin, do you remember, because... He was shade. He was very hazy. You know, I can the remember. Party years. No, I, I can remember a lot of it, but I was going through some personal stuff, so I had some personal demons I was dealing with. So from like the ages of twenty to about twenty six, I don't really have a good recollection. I mean, I can tell you that I didn't die. <laughs> I didn't you are still here. Alive. Yeah, but uh, I can't remember a lot of what happened. Like if you hate, hey, what happened there? I'm like. Uh, I was there. We were there. When? Right. <laughs> so question then, of the four films that we're going to be talking this evening, do you remember seeing any of them in the theater? I remember seeing The Ring. I remember seeing Blade Two, of course. I remember seeing uh, Resident Evil, but I do not remember seeing Bubba Hotep. I, oh. think I, I think I watched Bubba Hotep at Genius's prodding like probably four or five years after it came out. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm not shocked, actually, based on kind of the content. Yeah. Of the stuff, because again, if anyone's not familiar, Dustin is our resident actioneer. Mm-hmm. Anything involved with action, action adjacent, kung fu, we go to. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost kicked Genius's elbow there. Right, the I'm good sorry, one. Genius, I was having too much fun. <laughs> ah, I got not two bum wings. <laughs> well, and actually, technically, Charlie also t- almost took out your elbow. Right, this has been a rough tournament this yeah, month. Actually, you have yeah, to watch your back, my friend. There's bruises to is be this had. Like the All Valley tournament where somebody's about to sweep the sweep leg the leg and then fucking kick put the tires a, they're gonna put you in a body bag my friend yeah they are well we've got four films here in the round of the scream 16 and at least two of them are definitely action oriented mm-hmm. so we're batting the fa- so. we're batting 500 there and we've got bubba hotep going up against the ring and blade 2 going up against resident evil so the first matchup we're going to look into here is bubba hotep and the ring which of the two shall we talk first there? Let's talk The Ring. Because it's been probably the longest since I've re-watched it. I mean, like, Bubba Hotep is, like, very, very, Too like, fresh. you know, yeah, fresh. I mean, like, 25 minutes ago fresh. It's fresh, But, fresh, like, The Ring exciting. is probably about two weeks, three weeks, something like that. So Seven you, days. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have a VHS tape. Damn it. <laughs> Was it two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. Now, had it been since you saw it in the theater... 
since you rewatched it? Honestly, yes. Okay. Because I don't. I, and it, it could have been like you know background filler, like if it just popped up somewhere. But I don't remember actually going to seek out the ring, just because it's not really my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm just indifferent to it. So right. Plus, it's kind of like slow burn haunting. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So that slow burn hauntings and action really don't mix. <laughs> You know, I mean, like unless it's like slowly burning down something. Exactly. Yeah. The only thing I can think of a slow burn haunting with a lot of action would be like Queen of the Dam, but that's Indonesian, so that's kind of kind of expected. There's like action in their children's shows. Yeah. True. So and Stephen King approved. Yes, very Stephen King approved. Well, let me ask you this: um, I will take it action oriented in terms of Naomi Watts. Were you familiar with her work back in the day at that time? Back in the day, no. Okay. But I do remember. I remember watching The Ring. And, like, she fell off the radar for me for a long time until Cronenberg's Eastern Promises came out. And oh, yeah. I absolutely oh, yeah. fell in love with her again in Eastern Promises. I forgot she's in Eastern Promises. Hey, man, Vigo hangs dong in Eastern Promises. Dong. The dong. <laughs> We're in the gong dong. The dong gong. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Tank Girl? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because she actually plays the mechanic in that one. Yep. Uh, akin to Lori Petty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Has it been a while since you've seen Tank Girl? It has been a minute since I've seen Tank Girl. Five I remember seeing it in the theater. Girl. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's Rachel Talalay that has directed it. It's been a hot minute since I've seen it, but re-watching The Ring, and again, I I did re-listen to our first round episode. I hopefully didn't come off too terribly creepy talking about my appreciation of you know her aesthetic beauty in the film but it led She's me pretty to backtrack into a lot of her work and even into a david the david lynch movie mm -hmm. which is another amazing film and just in terms of her body of work it's unreal but looking at the cinematographer of the ring thinking about again how just just good this movie looks and that's not the dong gong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it is a beautiful movie, even in some of its haunting air images. Right. Well, Bojan Bazelli is the cinematographer here. And looking again, talking about body of work, the man shot some of our favorite films from back in the day, including a recent first time uh, watch for me. He shot Deep Cover. He shot King of New York. Uh, he shot, let me see here. We've got Boxing Helena, another Lynch. <laughs> With the Warlock. We've got Body Snatchers. Uh, he's big on Abel Ferrara. California. <laughs> surviving the freaking game. Oh, boy. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> he got to shoot the Prince Stout scene. Right? Oh, he, that's awesome. He was probably the one that said, hey, Gary Busey, he's just talking over there off screen. Can I just shoot him secretly? <laughs> hey, what are you doing with that camera? Is that thing on? Better not be. That's how they get you. But more importantly, he shot the hamster-based G-Force movie. With Tracy Morgan as the G-Force. I think it had Tracy Morgan, like Penelope Cruz. I don't know. I've never I, I, seen it. I've never seen it, but I was just like, again, I usually... Dean Cundy did Baby Geniuses. I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. Now, Baby Geniuses, didn't Bob Clark also direct that? I think so. Weird connections there. But usually once a film makes it into the next round, you know, usually it's deserving of a little bit more attention. And that's when I really start kind of digging into it and looking at those individual pieces, but more importantly, seeing what those individual pieces also worked on. And that's why I think why this movie 
still works to this day, even though technically it's not one that's really big on scares. Mm -hmm. It's the atmosphere. But I think it's the way it's shot that adds to it just because it looks lush. Yeah. And even when the badness comes out, even with like the tape itself, we mentioned it very much looks like a student, you know, experimental film. It does. So did you find it creepy? Did you find it scary? Okay, so you know I don't find a lot of horror movies like, you know, scary. Uh, scary yeah, scary. yeah, like, right. I'm, like, <laughs> sorry, Diana, but I'm not you. I don't get jump scared often. Well, so, also, you, you, you have no aversion to spices. Very true. I, I do. Sorry, Diana. I do like it as spice. But no, Spicy! Um, but I, I don't remember it being, like, particularly scary. Mm-hmm. I do remember it being severely off-putting. <laughs> severely <laughs> off-putting. Now, the, what, the crawl. The, oh my God! How people can contort their bodies to do such things. I have problems rolling out of bed in the morning, like to the point where I have to like stretch for about a good 30, 45 seconds. Or you're fucked for the rest of the day. Exactly. But I, I just remember like some of those scenes being like severely off-putting. But mm-hmm. like the the film itself overall not being terribly scary, yeah. you know. And unfortunately, I don't think it holds up because of the VHS aspect of it. Right. I mean, like, who's going to get the tape and be like, what the hell is this? How do I watch this? <laughs> is right? this a phone? So that's the question then, because this is back when, you know, media was still very tactile. Right. And you're going to have those new generations that it's going to be so far removed of what they're familiar with that it's going to instantly date itself, which is kind of weird to think. It's just only 20 years removed. Right, yeah. And now if they remake it, it's going to be like a haunted podcast or something. You're going to get an iPhone. You're going to get a get a phone call. You're going to subscribe in seven days. Right. And just <laughs> like and subscribe in seven days. Don't otherwise, right. they're going to like button. Right. Share with all your friends. It's just well, fucking viral. So I just watched uh, from 1982 it was an honorable mention murder by phone. Mm hmm. And is that the one where he calls up the, the killer calls up in the phone? Ah, it's really good. <laughs> but would make a wonderful remake because it's all built around the terrors of the phone. And I mean, nowadays people have relationships with their phones because they can Very also much. stream the media they used to get via a VCR. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how Cronenberg called it back in the day. Yeah. Just our relationship with this technology. But I also, Dustin, you grew up in the VHS era. I did. Had, did you ever have to adjust tracking back in the day? Oh, all the time. See, we, we weren't fortunate. We were fortunate enough to have a VCR, but we weren't fortunate enough to have an auto tracker, you know, VCR. Well, that was wait. Right. I mean, yeah. Where yep. you could actually do the. Look at all, no, all, all of us tuning in Tokyo. Tuning in Tokyo over here. But no, we had the uh, we had the one. I think it was a Zenith, actually, Ooh. that had the little dial, but under the flip cover. So you didn't really see the tracking knob. Uh, hidden but knob. It was a hidden. Ooh. Yeah. So you had to flip down the little thing to adjust the tracking on the VHS tape. They probably did that just to annoy people. Like they Absolutely. just assumed most people just, OK, it's fine the way it is. It's, you know, new technology. And and I can tell you from from a personal anecdote that my brother and I got very very good at adjusting the tracking because we watched Red Dawn so many times that it, you, you, we we would have to adjust it at certain points because like the get up there and piss in the radiator part was like a favorite line in our household so we always had to adjust the tracking at that part because we had rewound it so many times every time he goes Wolverine. Exactly. <laughs> 
So the curse is going to only be lifted. It's kind of like a precursor to It Follows, right? Mm -hmm. Where, like, you have to pass along the tape, you know, the tape trading scene and whatnot. So if you knew this was a cursed tape, would you give it to somebody you know? Or would you be like, hey, here you go. I'd be, hey, genius, I got a new uh, episode of Rick and Morty for you to watch. Hey, uh, genius. (laughs) Okay. But when you know my lazy ass, I wouldn't watch it till later. You you'd watch like, it on the 14th day. It'd be like 15 day. days later or so. <laughs> like, hey, have you, what's going on? Have you watched it yet? Did you get past it along? What are you talking about, dude? The movie you told me to watch. Dude, I put it on that coffee table. What? Where? Right? Did you get the phone call seven days? You you know I don't answer my phone. You know? And so, like... The genius would think it was a telemarketer. Because it, 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 it says unknown number, un, uh, potential spam, I'm not going to answer, especially nope. unknown number, because one, that's not good. Two, it might be a bill collector. Fuck them. So you, I'm, you have seven days. Are you calling for Medicare? Unless you're going <laughs> to shut my shit off, I don't care about seven days. And just like, huh? You know? So, like... I don't know if I could like not. I don't know if it could be remade now for like, you know. So what you're saying is I'm screwed. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. You better find somebody else. Yeah, you know, day day six. You better call. You watch that yet? Like why? It's important. Why? Because I'm gonna die if you don't. We're making oh, memories. Fine. All right. Whatever. Got seven days. Whatever. On day on day six, if I call you and say, "Hey, you got to watch this movie. You're gonna die," you'd be like, "Is Arnold in it?" Yeah. <laughs> well, not, the I'm assumption not would be, Arnold is, is this is in the VHS it. of Avengement? Because if not, I'm not watching. This best be good. It best be R-rated, and I best enjoy it. And if I see one thing that says A24, if this is the new Ari Aster cut, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna die before seven days. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gonna get cut. <laughs> so back to tracking <laughs> that's the long way around kids oh shit so anyway back to the ring yeah no i was just gonna about to say because technically this is also a pg-13 film so it does fit right in that aspect so other thoughts on the ring there dustin just in terms of revisiting this particular one entertaining mm-hmm. i mean I, I was really indifferent to it going back to it but i mean i mean it's not going to be in my permanent rotation but i mean it wasn't a waste of time you know that is good. It's that interesting good. to see how the translation, though, from like a, 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 a different movie brought over to America, put in through like its weird lens, how it's still translated. Because mm-hmm. they tried it later, because this kind of ushered in the whole like J horror, mm-hmm. like remake. We had remakes of The Grudge, we had like people importing movies, and a lot of them didn't translate like Spiral, you know? So that was just, it's just, this was a, really important movie and in a really important time that just kind of opened up the floodgates for a it's, lot of different things it's a good combination verbin uh, gore verbinski directing naomi uh, watts starring mm-hmm. again bajan shooting everything worked really nicely now going then from a remake to something very original uh but also something that definitely had a, a larger budget the one that's a little bit more independent uh, we've got don coscarelli's bubba hotep so you mentioned it's been a little bit of a while. It's been Elvis. A <laughs> we finally got somewhat of our tiny candy-fied Elvis oh, We got justification completely yeah. with this one. Again, go to uh, Patreon, our Candyman commentary, of which Tiny E was introduced with Tiny Candyman. And there was a point in this film where we are like, whoa. It actually did happen yeah. with the candy that mm-hmm. we saw. So, uh, do you, so this is one that Genius obviously was like, "Hey, yeah, he 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 was the conduit for it." Yep. Now that being said, were you familiar with like a lot of Bruce Campbell's work beforehand? 
Honestly, no, okay. because I, I really didn't come back to horror like we, we've talked about it before on the pod. I think on, on some of the earlier episodes, I was a big fan of the, the Friday franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And then after that kind of tailed off, I just fell out because then like the 90s were ushered in and I was watching, you know, marked for death, licensed to kill, blah, 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 Braddock missing in action part three. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was watching all the action films. So a lot of like the horror films or the like the horror adjacent stuff just completely fell off my radar. So like I've got a huge blind spot that you guys have, be, have been reintroducing me to for like the past six seven years. We've been throwing you in the deep end too, because like well, yeah, what's the, good the though shunting is, pool. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> there's no shallow end on that one, unfortunately. <laughs> We're gonna watch a movie. What's it called? Uh, Tattoo of the Iron Man. It's kind of like the MCU. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Is this guy Optimus Prime? <laughs> <laughs> he will be soon. <laughs> Needless to say, we appreciate your patience through a lot of this, but you don't have any kind of like a Bruce Campbell bias then. No, I would say I don't. Which is good. So that being said, what were your thoughts on Bubba Hotep? I remember Genius introduced me to it about, I would probably say four or five years after it came out. And I really enjoyed it then. I didn't. I honestly hadn't rewatched it since, like the first time I watched it. This is like only only my second or third viewing of it. So I mean, dude, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the shit out of it because it's an interesting concept, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like <laughs> nursing home Elvis and a black JFK like team up to fight a mummy. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. That's that's that sucks um, souls out of arseholes. <laughs> It's surprisingly charming. It's funny. It's very Coscarellian. Uh, how many? Let's see here. You now you do enjoy Beastmaster. <laughs> Dar. Dar. Uh, have we had you watch the OG Phantasm? No. Have I've, you seen Phantasm Two? No. I've not seen any of the fan. If I have seen them, they're not a memory. That's and okay because part three we actually get nunchucks introduced to everything, so we so might we're have to with number three. Yeah, we might have to start you like, with number three. Is that like Phantasm Three, the domination? <laughs> I, well, here's the thing. I would say you really should see one and two, so you know what's going on in three. But with Phantasm, you still wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's kind of all it's all over in the best kind of way. And then I'm trying to uh, just some of his other work that you may have also possibly seen with us there's one of his more recent ones called john dies at the end that was one of our honorable mentions in 2012 well we're going to ease you into it especially if you dig dig this because he has a really cool way of weaving in kind of some interesting takes on family and, and in this case with bubba hotep you know getting older but then also contrasting it with dick and fart jokes i mean and quite literally in this case so let me also ask you this dustin as someone like us that is also getting one of us older <laughs> one of us what <laughs> what what's that you say gobble gobble hey is I, it time for turkey i want some taquitos <laughs> how do you feel now dealing with getting older and getting closer to death and you know looking at movies that technically do address this and deal with this you know honestly when i was younger i didn't care you know i and and now i'm kind of still at that same point you know it's it's really weird for me to say but it's like you know so many people are like oh by 30 you got to do this and by 40 you got to do that my grandfather always used to have a mantra that he would tell me all the time it's it's mandatory to grow old you don't have to grow up 
and he used to tell me that all the time. And my grandfather was still making like fart jokes when he was like eighty. You know, well, it, it's just like I mean, genius knew my grandfather. My gra- my grandfather was a can- cantankerous World War II Marine. He looked like Popeye. <laughs> you know, he's about five eight, five seven, but he had huge forearms because he was a brick mason all of his life. Oh, so he really did. He looked like Popeye, but he was like one of the most honorary old men you would ever meet. Mm-hmm. And it was just like that. That's just the thing. I don't fear death. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and growing old is just like, oh, my God, my back hurts a little bit more now. But it's like, eh, still got still to pay them bills, you know, so. It's fine. It's I know maybe it's finding purpose in life and having a good purpose. And it's also looking into, like, the legacy you leave behind. And, again, all three of us, we don't have kids. I know mine's definitely a very conscious choice of that. And I don't mind necessarily not having that kind of uh, a legacy left behind because it's like, what are you leaving behind? Another, you know, kid that's dealing with the craziness of the world right now? Like, I mean, could you picture my kid, a little fat-headed bald kid running around, like flipping the middle finger to people when he's right. like eight? See, what I'm leaving <laughs> this world is in ashes. <laughs> Dracarys! <laughs> of all the bridges that I have burned. I tell you, and maybe it's just it's the baggage that I'm bringing this time, but it's just one of those things that it's just I'm... It's I start, I'm thinking about it a lot. Well, not a lot. But yes, a lot just because of the stuff I'm dealing with my dad, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I just like it that it can make you think kind of heady on things. But then again, he yeah, you still get laughter out of it. You get yeah. the ding dong joke, right? <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, Bruce Campbell as Elvis, just killing it, and Aussie Davis. Which even re- rewatching it again, why I love the films that make it further. You get to go further in advance with him. But yeah, Ozzy Davis, we just did not deserve him. He was, I can't believe he's in this Don Coscarelli film about an aged Elvis in the nursing home with the soul-sucking mummy Elvis. It's such an odd premise because you mix in, you have like the whole Prince and the Pauper aspect of it with it. You have the whole conspiracy with JFK aspect in it. I mean, to the down that he has like, Ruby's mug shot <laughs> and this is decor and he's got like diorama got, like, of the grassy knoll and shit. <laughs> and again you have like so you throw that in, you have your basic mummy like going around eating souls mm. mummy adventure, but then you throw in these in this Texas garb. I like the fact that he had like one of those uh double brushed Joe Bob Brig outfits going on, but with a hat, but it was like all decrepit and rotted. Now did he have the Texas tie? Am, am I? Like, no, I'm sure he had a bolo. Little bolo. Yeah, like, yeah. like the little bolo. With probably had a, like a epoxied scorpion he's in got, or something. He's got hieroglyphics to say the drive-in never die. <laughs> <laughs> Even then he knew. And some worn-in boots as well. Yeah. Which was nice yeah. to see. Mm-hmm. Which was nice to see. But so, there was some genuinely good scares, too. I mean, some of the shots, like uh, the whole mummy coming down the hallway with the, the weird like lighting behind him it worked very well and it was effective when it needed to be but it always had that sense of like fun and whimsy and bruce campbell did a killer job as Elvis. he's really good i i would argue that this was probably one of his strongest roles just because he's not necessarily hamming it up he's right actually acting mm-hmm. he's, and he's doing like sebastian he's elvis it works it works nicely like this is another one that i really enjoy revisiting so other thoughts on bubba hotep there dustin really enjoyed the rewatch Perfect, perfect. So we obviously got a lot of love for both of these films. Now, in the round of the Scream 16, we've got two bits of criteria that we're going to look at here. And uh, first one is a little bit that's so nice, we do it twice. We're going to ask, 
Which of the two films is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart. You're doing a little, uh, Ooh, is that a little jazz. Gold genius? Yeah, <laughs> that is all right. A little air me. supply genius. Next time I come up, closer to the heart now. A little yacht, a little rock. yacht rock. This bracket's brought to your butt. It is. But like Tugboat. <laughs> more like Tugboat the wrestler. Hey, man. Don't hate on Tugboat. I, I don't hate on Tugboat. <laughs> uh, there's no way to actually get this back into the conversation. So, <laughs> Dustin, uh, between Bubba Hotep and The Ring, which of the two films is closer to your heart? I would definitely say Bubba Hotep. Just because I had more fun with the movie. Um, like I said, I don't scare easily kind of deal. I don't get freaked out easily, but Bubba Hotep entertained me from the beginning to the end. I mean, just the, I mean, you, you introduce like Bruce Campbell as an aging Elvis. I mean, and he did the, her, whoa, he's got an infected penis that Ella Joyce has to rub like this weird cream on big shout out to rock because I love that show. Yeah. Charles S. Dutton. Fuck yeah. Ninety staple. But it's just like every part of that movie, I mean, even the slow parts were kind of humorous, you know? That works. That works. Genius. Uh, although I saw The Ring in the theater and, and I thought it was a very cool concept and very creepy, I think for Closer to the Heart, I'm going to go Bubba Hotep. Uh, again, it's more fun. You know, it leaves a longer impression. Yes, Samara is a good villain. And, mm-hmm. and yes, she is very iconic. But there's just something fun about an aging Elvis versus a mummy in an old folks home. So I'm going to go Bubba Hotep. This one's not as tough for me, but I do want to give a shout out in the ring. If we're talking like nostalgia and closer to the heart, when she goes to the cabin to actually see the the tape to see if it's still there in the cabin and within the tapes, both Chud and school ties. <laughs> so again, I don't know if we missed like an opportunity instead of Samara crawling out like it's Matt Damon's character from that film. Or worse, Chuds. Or worse, both. Matt Damon Chuds? Chud Damon. They would be Boston Chuds. Yeah. Oh, man, they'd have a wicked smart accent. <laughs> Apples. <laughs> but... I did see Bubba Hotep in the theater, and revisiting both of them were really good. But, yeah, the heartstrings, man, they get me with Bubba Hotep. Mm-hmm. So that is my vote there. Now, from the heart to the head, we're going to ask, if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2002, which one would leave the year poorer? So, Dustin, I'm going to pose that to you. So what Genius said earlier kind of made me think the whole ushering in the j-horror like wave that came in after the ring i can see that as an argument but honestly if we're talking about leaving a year like lesser i think my vote would go to bubba hotep just because it, it was it was light it was funny i mean parts were menacing but it's just it's it's fun it's like scary fun mm-hmm. so nope and Take a drink every time we mention fun. When we're talking about Bubba Hotep, genius. I'm going to say The Ring. I'm going to say because it did usher in, it did prove that you can take a movie from Japan, bring it into an American filter, and still provide the scares. It did open up the floodgates, and whether that's good, bad, and different, because I know you say J-horror, and that turns a lot of people off. <laughs> but at the same time, it turns a lot of people on. And also... 
nobody has seen. It still seems like it's still underseen to this day by Bahotep. Definitely not a lot of people saw it as theatrical release. Uh, definitely not a lot of people saw it even on home video. It's still one of those underground ones. So I hate to say it, but even if they removed it, a lot of people would, it wouldn't be like a big quantum leap, life-changing thing. So as much as we dig it, I think the rings got it for this one. That's a good, good showing of the work. This one, again, if you take away the American remake of The Ring, you still have the OG Japan version. And given the nature of things, we would have probably eventually gotten a remake of it. And, you know, In this case, it probably would have been Gore Verbinski, but it would have been someone. But with Bubba Hotep, and again, much like with a lot of Coscarelli's filmography, he does shoot a lot of films that you go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But this one, it is just so original. It is so much fun, and it's just such a cool extrapolation of the source material with Joe Lansdale that, to me, if you take away from that, you take away this unique voice of that year versus something that just became the standard and the onion of the belt at the time. So my vote goes to Bubba Hotep, and by a count of one, two, three, four, five to one, taking care of business and heading into the round of the Hateful Eight, shuffling in is Bubba Hotep. Well, we'll take it easy there, Mama. <laughs> now to the matchup where i think ideally this is going to be right up dustin's alley we have two very action oriented horror action flicks we've got guillermo del toro's blade 2 going up against paul w's don't call me thomas anderson's resident evil paul motherfucking ws anderson <laughs> which of the two shall we talk first let's talk resident evil let's talk you're all going to die down here. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Has my security system, since it does talk in a British accent, has that ever thrown you off? <laughs> yes. Doors and windows. I'm just waiting for, like, this laser grid to come out and cut me in half. Okay, yeah, exactly. Over at Mom's house, she has the same thing. Door ajar. And I'm like, holy shit, it's the Red Queen. You know, you're just <laughs> waiting for, like, the security systems armed gas starts pouring in and shit well, and even the worst is like mine is like back door open back door open oh you cheeky little pissed off back door open door. <laughs> get all angry and shit were you raising a barn shut the bloody door it just gets loud but just britishly loud which is good let me ask you immersed did you see this in the theater with one genius McGee? Absolutely. Okay. Fuck yeah, it's Resident Evil. Yep. Were you a player of the game? Yes. Yeah, all the way back. Well, PlayStation 2 was Resident Evil 2, right? Yes. I Honestly, you'd, you'd have to ask Gary Cooper for the, That's the lineage of Resident Evil. Well, But I do remember how creepy those fucking games were. Well, and you are also, it should be noted, a, a gamer. You still to Typically, this day. Typically, first-person shooter. Kind yeah. Of <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Pew, pew. So that being said, was there enough action to satiate an action fan in Resident Evil? Oh, absolutely, man. They come in with a SWAT team in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Well, and I don't understand with why... With my girl, Michelle Rodriguez. Right? right? Well, that's I was wondering when we'd get to that yeah. there. I don't understand why Paul W. Sanderson gets so much hate. You know, everybody's like, Be Because people love having opinions. I mean, if we didn't have opinions, we wouldn't have podcasts. No, that's very true. <laughs> I like Paul W. Sanderson, and I like the first couple of Resident Evils. Well, and also, you all, I believe, Dustin, you're a fan of Event Horizon? Absolutely. 
So you're not, you've got a pretty good track record with his with his uh, with his a lot of his films, and when you take basically it's aliens plus zombies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this case, it's going to work. So Michelle Rodriguez, obviously a fan of um, uh, Mila Jojovich from. <laughs> Yeah, that's not big bada boom. Big bada boom. <laughs> Multipass. I'll even I'll even go to bat for some of her music. Have you ever heard the gentleman who fell? Mm-mm. I don't know. What kind is it? It's Icelandic folk music. So like oh. York? Kind of. It's legit good. Like seriously. Huh. Did you ever see the Rules of Attraction? Way back in the day. A bit of the song is used in that flick. Really? Yes. I challenge anyone to go out and check it out. It is quite, quite good. Huh. It is quite good. Uh, tr- I'm trying to stay action-oriented here. Just So, okay, so what did you think about the um, ha- being playing the game, especially to, so it's supposed to be the source material, what did you think about the uh, deviations from the game. See, this is the part where I, I'm I'm a little differing than a lot of people uh-huh. because, like, even with some of like the Star Wars games and everything, people you know, fandom sometimes is louder than um, reason. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you have a fan of something, whether it be like a intellectual property, a, a video game, a novel, or whatever, people th- like think that it needs to stay absolutely on brand, like tit for tat. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just can't do that. And sometimes the director and the writer just have a different idea of what they want to see on the screen. And I think that's what we got. We got a more we got a more action-oriented, mm-hmm. you know, because Resident Evil, the game, is more suspenseful. It's more you look for clues, you look for Puzzle-solving right. and shit, yeah. In Resident Evil, this was just like Mila kicking ass. Right. The team kicking ass. You know, and zombies just happen to be the fodder. And there were old, older of the older school variety zombies as well. Plus, they had that those uh, dogs with pudding oh, the on Dobermans, them, right? Oh. <laughs> I thought they were cute. At least they, they went had old dogs school. with bees with bees to shoot out of their mouth and they bark at bees at them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and but also, again, for the style of the times, the CGI with liquors wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. I didn't find it like, you know, it didn't detract me from wanting to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some movies that from that time period, you know, like, it's a little, little, little hit or miss. I for can me. see the pixels. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, honestly, there's some CGI nowadays that kind of takes me out of I mean, you want to talk bad CGI? I am legend. The zombies and I am legend are terrible, mm-hmm. you know, it, but and that came out, what, 10 years after this movie? Yeah. You know, so. Well, how does Mila Jojovich hold up for you then as like an action star? Oh, fantastic. Uh, you know, it, we, we saw the fifth element and, you know, some of the other stuff that she had done. But her as Alice, I mean, that was the embodiment of Alice. I mean, everybody, if, if you ask anybody who who plays Alice in Resident Evil, they're going to immediately yeah, mention Jojovich, her name. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I think she did a terrific job. Now, she's been one of those that's just been kind of a welcome force, even like in the new Hellboy. I yep. she was a I liked, I liked her, her villain. Yeah. I liked her role in Hellboy. I think she was the best thing. I think they underused her too. Yeah. Well, and then she was is or is she still married to Paul W S Anderson? Yeah, I think so. I think she's he's she's still married. If not, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. <laughs> that is a long line, my friend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, other thoughts on Resident Evil before we shift on over to Blade 2? 
Very good rewatch. Very good rewatch. Plus, it's got your Michelle. Uh, it's got your girl Michelle Rodriguez. In yeah, it. it's got my Rodriguez quotient. Did okay. So, did you start with girl fight with her? Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. I, I, and actually, I saw a girl fight because of my ex. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So hey, some goodness out of yeah. that. Yeah. And also, didn't Catherine Bigelow? Yep. Put together girl fight. So again, really good legacy, but she's been able to put together just a lot of yeah, a lot of fun stuff. So Blade Two, uh, Guillermo del Toro's magnum opus here a movie that is just does everything a sequel should it's and it's just, got norman reedus norman Hill, reedus norman reedus hillbilly vampire hunt <laughs> so let me ask you saw this one in the theater yep. was it with one genius mcgee yep it's fucking the blade part two did you see the the blade in the oh, theater absolutely Oh man, the, the opening scene to Blade is still one of the ones that's like it's like the elevator sequence from the Matrix. I can still remember like beat for beat the boom, I can still remember it, all of it. It's awesome. Well, you can't see because we're not a video podcast, but I, we were totally doing the Nerd of the Rocks there. <laughs> yeah, Genius had some sprinklers that are like spraying red Kool Aid on us right now. That'd be rad. That would be rad. That would never be leave rad as house. shit, dude. I'd be stuck to the floor, but I'd never leave your house. I'd go to a Kool Aid. I'd go to a Kool Aid rave. A cool rave. Oh yeah! Hell yeah! All the walls have holes in them from everybody breaking. Through. Right, just <laughs> draining down Kool Aid, tropical punch. Fuck yeah! I, I don't know where this occurs, but we, we need to make it happen. Yeah, we do. We need to crowdsource this one. Yeah, we do. Summertime is coming, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of the, instead of like the spray tents and the cool down tents. Kool-Aid tent. Yeah. Kool-Aid tent. Kool-Aid yeah. <laughs> You've got the cool down tent, then there's the Kool-Aid oh, tent. Just dripping out, just a whole bunch of people. So ah. in this case, were you anticipating and looking forward to Blade 2? I absolutely was, yeah. Okay. So that being said, how was the rewatch? Well, no, no let me ask you this. Given your nature, Dustin. About two months ago. Okay. There we go. <laughs> in lieu of not even knowing yeah, we yeah, were going to do this. Yeah, and this was before you guys had, had asked me about you know coming on to the the end of the mouth into the mouth of March Madness. I was just like, oh, I'll hey. pop in Blade Two. Yeah, why not? You know because it's it's got my it's got Guillermo del Toro's like stable of actor. Ron Perlman, right? You know, being Ron Perlman, being Ron Perlman, you know, a vampire Ron Perlman. Yeah. So we gave our two cents on the use of one Donnie Yen in Blade Two. <sighs> Underutilized. Yep. It's it's like it's like having Jackie Chan in a movie and saying, "Don't do those stunts. <laughs> just just you just stand there, and look like Jackie Chan. Here. We don't want you to kick anything. We don't want you to throw a you know, pizza pan at nobody. Just stand there. If you want, you can flip, but only in place. Yeah, and it's like, wow, you want to talk about complete underutilization of a of a certified badass? I mean, they made the Ip Man movies just to showcase his badass. <laughs> right. Twenty years after he was an original badass, so it's like, oh. You're killing me, Smalls. At least you got a little bit of a fight scene, you know, but uh, not enough. Just a tease. Well, and and a lot of it, too, is because, I mean, at this point, Donnie Yen's not like the big star. You know, you've got yeah. Wesley Snipes chewing up a lot of the scenery, going head to head verbally with Ron Perlman. You know, so he's he's chewing up a lot of the scenery. So it's just Chris Christopherson. Right. Hobbling yeah, Whistler. Around. And you, yeah. you've got the entire ensemble, unfortunately. Part of the ensemble is just you you have to have background characters, one of which is Vince from Fast and Furious. Furious. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go. And Hillbilly Justice. And Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus. And this is back when he was still bathing, you know, so. This is when he was cleaning, talking, and he just growl. Yeah. 
Yeah. But okay, so let me ask you this: What did you think about Del Toro's vampires? Mm. The Reavers. I liked it. I liked the take on it because you know, like the the blade, the original blade was just you know the typical vampire. Granted, they were more you know high society, highfalutin vampires. Yeah. But like the the what was it the 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 re, uh, reavers it, the reavers like the mouth the mandible. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the predator vampire. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. That. And then I I, I say this as <laughs> lovingly as possible because I loved him in the Death Race sequels. But you have the poor man's Jason Jason Statham, Luke Goss. <laughs> as no mac you know and it's just like no mac uh, that's <laughs> and, and i'm not that, i, I no am mac. not saying that in a derogatory way no, he is but he he he, 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 looks he is like very much choice. like jason he, statham. he looks like okay we can't afford jason statham because so you let's, know, get, of luke his salary, let's yeah. get luke goss and he does a terrific He's job good yes yeah he Dollar was star luke goss. no seriously dude go back and watch the death race like the sequels he was great in the Death Race sequel. Oh, sequels. my God, that's right. That's he right. Yes. He does the yeah. Death Race yeah. 2002 and 2003. Yeah. It's because you, I, is, I watched the Death Race 2000 remake with you and had a blast with yeah. it. So sequels are worth oh, yeah. checking out? Okay. okay. They, they get considerably, you know, well, it's, they, they wear on you because, I mean, it's the of same course. formula. But, well, I mean, it's like. And yeah. not even that, dude. There's no comparison. You have Luke Goss. No offense to Luke Goss, but you ain't no Jason Statham. Yeah, he's not fighting a Megalodon. Right, Megalodon. <laughs> you want me to go up there and fuck up shit? All right, then. Do I get to punch that shark in the face? <laughs> right. <laughs> Too right. So over there. About another bro who read love. You know, just going around punching people and shit. Yes. But at the same time, yeah, Luke Goss. Yeah. Uh, it, it's again the vampires work the vampires work so a lot of love given to both of these films but only one can advance into the next round so let's go ahead and ask which of the two films blade 2 or resident evil dustin is closer to your heart blade 2 okay Ooh. because i think it was i think it was be- a better part of the franchise than i mean granted resident evil kicked it off but resident evil for me as you go further along like the law of diminishing returns definitely shows blade two blade two is a bigger action set piece than blade you know what i mean and, yeah. and blade the the first movie was a huge action set piece right so they just upped the ante with the second one and that's the reason why i'd go with it totally works genius it's the blade as much as i love was, resident evil was resident it the blade it was the blade it was the blade it's the blade the blade the blade Okay, so, <laughs> no, as much as I love Resident Evil, I mean, and I'll go, you know, I'll go to bat for Paul W.S. Anderson any day of the week, right? Fucking Del Toro, fucking Blade, fucking Vampires. I mean, I remember seeing both of these in the theater, but I remember being, like, more pumped before and after in with for the Blade. So I'm going Blade 2. I'm also going to Blade 2. I'm also going to say I was more pumped after the two. I was so pumped, I think I did literally the blade arm pump. <laughs> and then, the, the I mean, that's like how hyped I was. And I'm also not going to discount the facts that, and I think I mentioned in the first round, he suplexes one of the goons. Yes. Come on. What, what, Come on. What in the what? Goons. The goons. Hired goons. Suplexed goons. <laughs> Oh my God! He broke him in half. <laughs> Jr's over in the corner. That's Ron Perlman's music. Oh my God! 
<laughs> he comes in, dun, 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 just drinking beer. <laughs> so from the heart to the head, we're going to ask, if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2002, which one would be lesser? Which one would leave it poorer? Dustin? I would say Resident Evil on that case, because if you don't have Resident Evil 1, you don't have that franchise. Mm. And I think that franchise... While it does diminish the further along it goes, you know, with, with various aspects of the plot, mm-hmm. the movies are still entertaining. If you take Blade 2 out of that trilogy, you still have Blade and Trinity, you know, so you still have good action vampire movies. You know, granted, you, you lose the Del Toro aspect, mm-hmm. you, you lose Perlman, and, and, you know, you lose the, the, like the, the middle part of your sandwich, but Resident Evil really kicked off that whole like Resident Evil train, you know. And there were how many movies? Seven. <laughs> a lot. A lot of them. All right. Excellent showing of the work there. Genius. See, I had my answer for this on lock right before we started talking. Right before you started talking, then I started. <laughs> I started thinking about something. Yes, the Resident Evil franchise goes off the fucking rails, but that doesn't happen until about maybe three movies deep right the next movie from blade is fucking rubbish you know what i'm saying mm. i mean like almost you didn't like every Trinity? It, it was decent but at the same time when everybody involved is disowned disavowing it you know what i'm saying it was nowhere near as good as two nowhere as near as good as one to me i think in both cases, Resident Evil and Blade, Part 2 is a superior movie to the original. Okay. So for that being said, my vote's going to be for Resident Evil. The best is yet to come. If we take that away, we're not going to have the superior Blade 2. If we are the superior Resident Evil 2. If we take away Blade 2, while well, we're taking away one of the finest action movies one of, uh, a vam- with vampires and Wesley Snipes, we would still have Blade. You know what I'm saying? Blade and we would still have Donald Logue being a bad guy, being a naughty vampire god, right? <laughs> we would still have that. You take away that, so for that rationale, I'm gonna go with Resident Evil. I personally think Blade Two is better. It's not the question, though. It's not the question. That's not the question at all. But at the same time, I'm gonna go Resident Evil. And th- and that's just it. It's discounting what comes after Blade Two, which is Blade Trinity. I- it's and I've seen that, and it's because of its reputation. I, you know, best you listen to Pat Oswalt talk about his experiences on the set versus maybe watching the actual film. Fuck Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jess, Jessica Biel's playlist on her on her iPod. Uh, the Resident Evil sequels I haven't seen. I've played Resident Evil Four on the Wii, so even if you like disclude the OG Resident Evil movie, you still have the game. The game itself, given the nature of everything, would have still eventually probably been made. Remove Blade 2. You still have The Blade, one of the best, awesome, R-rated comic book movies of all freaking time. It's just unreal. It also maybe transitions the pathway, potentially, of the Blade franchise, where instead of Guillermo del Toro's Blade 2, maybe we get... Quentin Tarantino's Blade 2, for all we know. A lot God forbid, Uwe Bowles. Feet vampire, you know. Feet vampire, they suck your toes oh. instead of your blood. Oh. <laughs> Before Greg finishes his answer, could you imagine a Neil Marshall Blade 2? 
Ooh. Ooh. I'm all over Neil Marshall's Blade 2. Dude, I'm on that like a fat kid on a, on a baked ham. Timo's Blade 2. Dude, Timo's Blade 2 would look like the beginning of Blade 1 for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Except the shower of blood isn't coming from a sprinkler it's system. It's coming, coming from everyone's from the, arteries. The, right? the blade comes for us. I'm, I'm like kind of down with that. Well, see, now this is the problem, though. This is the problem because we, we take away, we think about how much more rich it could possibly be. Right. But again, that's kind of the fun with this. So I, I'm really stuck with this. I'm going to... I'm going to say because of the consistency, because I'm pretty sure W uh, Paul W.S. Anderson has directed every single one of those Resident Evils. I think all but three, just, two or There's three. a handful I know that he hasn't. Yeah. I'm going to say for consistency because of that, because I think that's impressive and that sets at least maybe a standard for some franchises. I'm also going to say Resident Evil, which means we've got a tie. Oh, shit. Which means we've got to go over to the cover of a little familiar magazine and a little familiar jingle. On the cover of the old thing, go, gonna buy one copy from my mother. Gonna see some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old thing, go. And referring to the cover of Fangor Mag- Fangoria Magazine, they have a cover for Resident Evil extinction there's a cover cover uh for let's see resident evil afterlife mm-hmm. but nothing for the og but oh my goodness do i have a giant reaver mangled looking maw looking at me on the cover of fangoria with blade 2 and because of that staking its way into the round of the hateful eight gdt's blade 2 awesome yeah, staking. I got it. <laughs> it's bunny. Which means uh, this is kind of cool. Our round, uh, our matchup in the round of the Hateful Eight is a cowboy mummy with Bubba Hotep going Versus up against the Daywalker and Blade 2. Daywalker. That's Ron Perlman. Pretty, pretty badass. And we couldn't have gotten there without the help of our good friend Dustin. So thank you, my friend, for joining us yet. Another year of madness. Thank you, guys. I had a blast. Of course, of course. Now, when we come back, the shenanigans continue with another friend of the podcast, friend of the show, and bringing in some class and thankfully getting out of this sausage party we've had. (laughs) Um, When we come back, we're going to be joined by Katie Glidewell, a.k.a. The Blonde in Front. We'll be back in a few Right, gang, we are back, and as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let us again thank Dustin Pryor from the Media Rewind podcast, mm-hmm. and let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu to both Resident Evil and The Ring. Yeah. Be it any other day. Could have we, went on, you know. Could we talking both of those films, but as it was, the baggage we brought that day leads us to our current matchup here in the round of the Hateful Eight. But genius, as we like to say here, one door closes, mm-hmm. yet another one opens. A, a big gilded double door. <laughs> a door that is usually kicked wide open based on our next guest. And 
here in a little more than a month, actually, we are going to be panicking mm-hmm. for the 10th year in a row with the Panic Film Festival, and I am praying we get to panic with our next guest, because you know when she's there, something good is going on. Something fun is happening. <laughs> There's a, there, one of our absolute favorite blondes in the entire world. Yes, yes. So the, when bl- the blonde in front. Yeah, when you see her in front, you know you're in for goodness. So please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, our favorite blonde in front, Katie Glidewell. Hey, guys. Oh, my. That is um, an intro for the ages. My, um, can I just have? I can I actually have that on anything that I do from now on? Because I just want to be um, introduced that way in like my entire life. O- only on the well, since we're talking about Bubba Hotep, only if in the background you have that. But and then when you're gone, the blonde has left the building. And only if you wear a mid-level cape. You know, nothing lingin- going full length, but only a mid-level cape. There is something I mean, to be said in that. Is there any other way to wear it? Uh, uh, you know, add in add in all the sequins as well, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's TCB, baby. You got to take care of business. <laughs> and what's great is you have been taking care of business, getting back <laughs> into the theater setting, getting back into swing with a lot of the festivals, and. That's the one thing. If this is anyone's first time interacting with the blonde in front, uh, first and foremost, where can they find you out on social media? And then what have you been getting caught up with? Let's let's find out some good flicks that we can talk about before we go into the madness. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on the blonde in front. I am also doing uh, reviews on Radio 4 under the um, blonde in front of fear. Uh, with different reviews and yeah i've been trying to go to as many um press screenings now as i can the one that i did this week that it's um i would say definitely going to be probably in my top 10 horror films of the year i just saw x last monday and i loved it uh ty west um i would say at his best Gore is in a, you know, to quote kind of a Gordon Gecko macabre way, gore is good. <laughs> gore works. Uh, gore works. And sex sells. So uh, this, yeah, I loved everything about this film. We both just experienced here mm-hmm. not too terribly long ago. In fact, over on Patreon, folks, you can, if you're on the I've seen that tier or above, you are going to hear Genius and I's thoughts on it. But I will say this, we both really genuinely enjoyed the film. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film significantly more than I thought I would. Well, and it's A24. Right. And if anyone knows the podcast, they know (laughs) that can sometimes be a little... Yeah, from the studio that brought you grief porn, right? So, like, I was... I, I went in with no expectations because, one, as it's well known on the record, I'm not the biggest A24 fan, but I'm also not the biggest Ty West fan, right? So, no. like, I went in with lowered expectations. My expectations were met above and beyond. I enjoyed this movie. Um, but there is a lot... For a, being a movie about a porno, there's a lot of nudity in this movie, but maybe the majority of it is... Uh, elderly nudity there's a lot of old flesh in this movie and i'm not saying i brought that brought that upon us but um we were talking beforehand about house with the devil and how at the very end if we're dealing with satanism 
and old people. There need to be naked old people. I typically expect mm-hmm. some nudity in there. And someone was like, no, there's they aren't naked in the end of House of the Devil. I'm like, oh, they're not? I'm like, how have I misremembered that? Because then, then I think that my psychic energy somehow manifested on screen. So let's just say this, ladies and gentlemen, let's break it out. Dong. Dong. And question, Katie. Do you count that dong is hung if it is shatter dong or if it is dead dong? Does that count as being hung? Let me ask you. I'm not saying you're an, uh, an authority on this matter, but yeah, you're I not would our love the female Rose perspective. Ma- yeah, you're not our mangled dick expert. You know, but at the same time, <laughs> we're trying to settle a bet. <laughs> we, need, we need the third input here. So, wait, what was the question again? I heard dong. So, what is it? <laughs> Does it count as hanging dong if it's dead dong or shadow dong? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it counts. It counts. I think it counts as both. Uh, I mean, that shadow was definitely a very. Uh, if someone's not married, they're definitely going to get a number of dates after this film. I'll say this. Uh, I wish they would have shown just the full dong um, with the light. Right. Uh, but, you know, there also wasn't full frontal nudity from the females. So, I mean, if you're going to be, you know, equality, that's fine. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go shadow dong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what was good. That's what should be noted. The nudity in this isn't necessarily gratuitous, and especially mm-hmm. that one shot of Mia Goth swimming from mm-hmm. above. Oh, good lord! Although the elderly sex scene is pretty gratuitous. Don't want to say we want to spoil anything, but the sex—it's not the sex things we wanted, but it's the sex scenes we deserve at yeah, this point. You think you're going in for Red Shoe Diaries, but you're actually seeing real sex. So, like. <laughs> I actually, I called it Boogie Nights meets The Visit. Oh! (laughs) Cocoon Boogie Nights? Yeah, Cocoon Boogie Nights. You know, on the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, (laughs) let's just get, just put it all, wrap it all in a bow. I mean, but I think that's the point of the film, too, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, uh, if we're going to be open about sex, it's like, why... Why are we limiting it to age? I mean, people mm-hmm. have urges, people have needs and wants. And I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, what X says a lot about. It's like, you know, you try and say we're very open to this and blah, blah, blah. But then once you, you get into the age factor, it's like, ooh, gross, get away. And that I think, you know, X, I think. I think Ty West did an amazing job writing that script saying like you don't lose all those things with age mm-hmm. and um, you don't gain all that thing with youth too. It's the power of beauty and what, you know, that'll make you do. But damn, I loved these characters and yeah. the fact that he freaking like all of these women are, it's like, no, I want to do this. And it's like, you know, this is a powerhouse cast and not giving anything anything away, but yeah, Mia Goth, I'm extremely impressed by her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say exactly why, but <laughs> this is definitely, um, I mean, there's been a number of films that are, you know, have made her stand out, but I think this is going to definitely put her on the map. It's, it's a yeah. wonderfully sex positive movie. 
And uh-huh. like you said, Katie, the care for these characters, we were talking, Genius and I were saying, you actually like them because they're all genuinely good people. There's no fodder. No, consent is yeah. across the board as well. Like everyone, no one's being coerced into this. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's like an overt, overtly big asshole in it. You no. Know? And there is something to be said about the fact that, yes, we're all going to get older. And, you know, and we live in this day and age where science is king. So a little blue chew and yes. Your elderly grandfolks, you know, down in their Florida resort resorts are are banging away yes, pineapples and yeah. everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yes, I genuinely was very surprised and shocked. I was surprised by this, and it's really funny. Our friend Adam, who was on last week's Into the Mouth of March Madness episode ninety two, apparently hated the movie, which. Imagine that a a, a new a horror divisive film? horror yeah. movie from eight twenty four. Get <laughs> out of town. Has that happened before? Is this like the first time? The only time this year, or in the history of you know of film eight, Twitter, right? on eight, especially eight twenty four. I mean, usually eight twenty four just makes films that everyone just gets behind. They're right. very that, that everybody you know, loves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, right. and it's funny. This is the especially sec- genius. Well, yeah, oh yeah, number oh, one yeah. fan. Well, this is the second A twenty four film that I've seen this year that features, um, shall we just say, that lovely ex- excretion that multiple Migs likes to throw about in Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yes. Because yes, in the Green Knight, yes. that noticeably plays, which I don't think you saw, did you, Genius? No. Needless to say, it it's sticky and, it, and it's icky. And here we get the same thing. So. Maybe that's A24's agenda this year. I like seeing I, I like seeing A24 branching out from being grief porn, mm-hmm. right? I like that. I like that this is, I don't want to say it's elevated grindhouse, but this is a really good neo-grindhouse thing with some things to say about it. And a celebration yeah. of making movies as well. Yeah. The yes. old school filthy way. <laughs> <laughs> As if there is any other way, potentially, with that. No, I legitimately loved it, obviously. Katie had fun with that as well. Are there any other films out there that we should be on the lookout for? Anything you've seen recently via festivals? Not some. I have a few that that are coming up. I really loved, uh, which you can see on Hulu, I really love Fresh. I... I really love that. I'm actually doing a, a review of that tomorrow. I'm recording that. Loved. I actually, I love that film. It. I think it says so much about the dating scene and what it's like for women that, you know, certain um, certain people, certain people that, you know, have that shadow dong. Um, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, we'll be like, well, I, I, I've never known that. <laughs> Um, the opening scene of the opening sequence of Fresh is so realistic that I almost thought that the writer and director was like, like looking into one of my experiences. That's how um, accurate it is. And I know a number of people who can honestly say that um, accuracy with a number of the things with it. Um, <laughs> no, I loved Fresh, but uh, there's a few fil- film festivals coming up. Um, Horrorhound Film Festival is coming up this week, uh, next weekend, Mm -hmm. weekend of the 24th. Definitely recommend anyone who is in Cincinnati to see that. One of my favorite films of the year. It's campy. It has great practical effects. It's called Crabs. It's like if um, trauma and 
um just talk about um grindhouse it's just so campy and i love it and um you can see that at the horror hound film festival i saw the trailer for that it looks fun it is so fun and and it's well done i mean it's got great acting nice music um you know production design uh and the practical effects are great uh definitely and it's yeah i loved i loved i got to um review that for the festival and so so happy that it's going to be shown there and i also believe adam green is going to be making an appearance there as well and apparently it's one of his first in quite a while again i'm a movie he critic. is he yeah. is yeah we're very very excited for that too <laughs> if you can give him some love from kansas city and yeah. you know friday night flights <laughs> he was kind enough he actually recorded a little bit for us we screened we did a hatchet for friday night frights and he he recorded a little intro for everyone there it was he is just such a rad dude he is just a good good people good people he is he is. I I mean, Panic Fest is where I first saw him and Joe Lynch. Yep. And one of the things I always say, it's like, you know, you have these people that do Q&As, introduce their films, and it's like, oh, you know, the standard blah, blah, blah. And one of the things I loved about Adam and Joe is that they just got real, like letting mm -hmm. the audience know who they were and what was going on during filming and that. And it's like, wow, that was, it's like, was watching and I was like on the guest on Oprah. It's like, this is, this is some real stuff. You guys aren't holding back. And that's very refreshing, you know, for an audience member to see someone, you know, it's like, oh, they're just like us. They have hard times. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's nice to, um, you know, just see someone who's like, look, this is why I did this. You know, at one point I thought about quitting, I kept going on and stuff. And that's, you know, people need to hear that because, you know, it's had a number of rough years and to know that other people who are having that success, you know, have also had that and made it through. It's I think it's very, very important. And, you know, they're just two of the raddest guys on the independent scene. Love their movies. Frozen is still mm -hmm. I cannot watch a um, <laughs> chairlift. And honestly, not have a little mini panic attack. Like I've had people um, do their stories on Instagram and I'm like, I had to look Turn away because that's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And I'm glad that, you know, hopefully people will be able to come out. And obviously the conventions have been adapting to everything. People mm -hmm. have transitioned. Uh, we were at um, Crypticon this year, mm -hmm. very spaced out. So, you know, you know, precautions are being taken ideally. So if you're not comfortable, I know a lot of these are still doing virtual things, which is wonderful. Same thing with Panic Fest, I know. They are still making it virtual and in person. Very accommodating. And we're, we are hoping, obviously, to see you here in person. It would be great. But even if you're not, there are still, I know Tim's working on a variety of ways where you can hang out virtually mm -hmm. and all that. But, you know, it, it's not the same because... If I rec remember correctly, we were sitting, you and I, Katie, in the front for, fro was it Frozen? No, Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space, yes. Yes, that was <laughs> a memory made because we were both doing a lot of squirming throughout that film because of oh, all yeah. the goodness. But that's the memories that I appreciate that wouldn't be available to be made without Panic Fest or without people like Katie. You know, mm -hmm. our friends that we've made through this podcast through doing Into the Mouth of March Madness, all of that stuff. So as it's just as always, it's beyond appreciated when you come in and spend time with us. It's we we love it. We love it. 
You two are two of my favorite people on the planet. And I love talking moves with you. I will do this anytime you'll have me on here. So believe me, this is my pleasure. And talking about Panic Fest and being in person, that same Panic Fest that we saw color out of space um, and tying into Ty West and whatnot. AJ Bone was there and he and I talked about Ty West. And I was like, when is he going to be making another movie and I think he was even saying that there was maybe something in the pipes going on but he was raving about Ty and different things and you know he told me a great story about um Ty West on at that panic fest and it's again it is the thing it is being in person you don't it's it's believe me I understand um we need to have these film festivals to keep going in any way shape or possible because there's a number of them that I already know, I don't think are going to be happening, be mainly because of the you know pandemic and everything that happened. You know, after you know once they lose that momentum and stuff, it it's really hard to get it back. But yeah, being in person is a very different experience. And um, but yeah, whatever way, shape, or form we can make sure these festivals keep going. Please, mm -hmm. please contribute. Please go. Please. Even if it's online, there's going to be great programming. I know mm -hmm. for Panic Fest, I know, I mean, I know you guys have an inside scoop, but I know anything that they have. One of the things I love so much about Panic Fest is they're diverse in um, like just layered and beautiful programming that they mm -hmm. have. Like one of my favorite films of 2020, I got to see at um, Panic Fest, which was um, Blood Quantum. <laughs> love that movie so glad i got to see it on the big screen mm -hmm. still talk about it and yeah i'm excited now see you know what yeah um i think i'm going to pull the plug and yes once the um yes. things are happening i'm going to get my i'm gonna book my flight and go there nightmare junket we long. get shit done <laughs> <laughs> i i hope that wasn't peer pressure by any means do it do it do it <laughs> For all of you listening out there, Katie is rad. Be like Katie. Purchase your Panic Fest tickets now. <laughs> yes, and all that is available soon, which is great, which is great. So, hey, now you're going to be no to look up front, ideally. And when you see her, go say hi. Katie is the most hey, amazingly hi. rad person. That's the other thing. As the self-professed socially awkward introvert that I am, genius is always the social of our duo, for the most part, when we're out and about. And I appreciate the networking that goes on, but also just at a film festival, especially something like this, everyone is going to probably want to be able to talk and talk yeah. about the movies and you know the stuff that you experienced, and that's the joy of it. And I will challenge myself this year to maybe interact instead of just run <laughs> back and you know be background stuff. So keep me to that genius. Although we do a lot of running back and running around in the back. But. Oh, yeah. That'll still happen. That'll still happen. Now, the running around that happened in the year of 2002 into the mouth of March Madness has brought us from eight films down to the final two. And what a journey so far, man. It's 2002 has been really good. In fact, the yeah, last back half of the, the decade here between 2002 and 2012. Super strong. Some good Super stuff. Mm -hmm. But we've got Guillermo del Toro's Blade Two. Going up against Don Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep. Katie, which of the two shall we talk first? Uh, let's talk Blade 2. 
Ah, the Blade the Two. Blade Two. <laughs> so Blade Two. Let's me let me ask you this. Um, what's your relationship with Guillermo del Toro, just in terms of his movies, his overall cocksucking attitude? And again, that's said lovely because he does say see us quite a bit. I. Uh, Monsignor Del Toro, I um, adore him so much. Uh, one of the films that was in my top 10 for last year was Nightmare Alley, mm-hmm. even though a number of people did not care for it. But I just I just love the way he creates art on the screen. And there's no detail that is not completely gone over with a fine tooth comb like everything the production design the costumes the music everything i think is so expertly crafted um he makes sure he works with the best and uh i personally love um a majority of his films there i cannot say (laughs) all of them i cannot say all of them there's a certain rim in the pacific that i'm gonna have i have a little bit of an issue with however um uh uh the majority of his films though i love experiencing on the big screen and um yeah uh watching blade Uh 2 um i you know as i told you guys before we started recording i made sure to like you know buck up on my films blade 2 i think uh blade 2 really set the new not the, I don't want to say the new pace, but kind of the new face for vampires. With the whole mandible uh, action. Num- what? With the whole mandible opening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole predator, um, the predator kind of esque uh, vampire. I yeah. he definitely. There's been a number of vampire um, TV shows, films that took that sort of um, diagram and went with it. And I think that says that's a huge thing. Yeah. Because I mean, the strain is one that I um, can think of right away. Yeah. That did that. And there's um, a number of other ones. And also it's like kind of like the, uh, what is it? The making the vampire zombie sort of hordes like not, so you don't just have, it's not necessarily the sexy thing that we always think of when we think about vampires, but Mm -hmm. just it's like, it's an epidemic that turns these um, people into blood sucking creatures. And yeah, I feel like he, what he really set the pace on that, that, you know, not many other, no other films started to do. Yeah. He, yeah, he was really a trendsetter with the vampires. Now you mentioned uh, about seeing this on the big screen. Did you get a chance to see it when it came out? Yes, I did. Nice. Because, I mean, that does make a difference, and Uh especially with something like The Blade, given the the original film and how just kind of out of nowhere that was. And at this point, we've got a little bit more expectations. And Guillermo del Toro, I mean, he is a fanboy through and through. And you can see a lot of those influences in the movie. But like Katie said, you can see then how that influenced everything from here on out. And Mm -hmm. there's a certain synergy that I like about that, that you can wear your influences on your sleeve, but at the same time, you can continue to influence. And it's got Ron Perlman. Well, Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> Which is a Del Toro staple, <clears throat> yes. yeah. yeah, And I should say, Katie, I, I was able to catch Nightmare LA, but I watched the black and white version. <gasps> yes. And I don't know if it made a difference, but it was striking, and I oh. genuinely enjoyed it. 
I actually got to see that on the big screen a couple weeks ago uh, at Music Box. Oh, God. I mean, to see it in color, I saw it in big screen in color twice um, for review purposes, and then to see it in black and white. It's, there's, it's amazing that uh, there's certain things in black and white that I didn't notice in the color version. And there's definitely different things um, in color that I thought were better, but then in black and white that I thought were better. Uh, one is um, a shadow donk thing. Um, but that in color and color looks so much better. Um, but yeah, the fact, I mean, it's hard. It's not like you can just make, it's like, okay, we're just going to turn this black and white. No, it's, it's a difficult thing. And the fact that he could do that on both versions and just make them. So, as you said, striking and just completely, I mean, that is what, uh, I just love the cinema for that. Like so, to be in a theater and watching and experiencing that is, yeah, one of my favorite things. So question then, does Blade 2 get any better with a black and chrome version or the black and white Shiny version? And chrome. The House of Pain version. I'm trying to think of how we could incorporate that because we got a lot of black shiny leather, which I don't know how necessarily that would translate into the black and white. It would look I, like. Yeah, I don't know how that would translate. Like old school Nosferatu kind of a take there, potentially. So here's the thing. I think the, yeah, I definitely think the uh, Big Daddy Vampire would look great in black and white. But oh, then yeah. leading up to that with the sewer. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's a dark it's, movie you, already. Yeah, you'd lose so much, especially in the sewer scenes and whatnot. It's like, basically, it's like, okay, I'm just blind. I can't see what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And um, you need, I feel like you definitely need the color in that. Um, you, de Yeah, you definitely, I don't see if they switch that to Black Blade 2 and Black and White, I don't think it would be the same no, it would, it wouldn't be the same experience, especially like when um, Wesley Snipes like um, has to go into the pool of blood yes. Yes. and then come out dripping. It's not going to be the same in black and white. He would look like he's just going into a filthy pool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like coming out with like oh, brack water. But and again, well, oh no, and I mean, it's like then I mean he was already in um, you know uh, sewer water before, so it's like okay, so. Sewer water and then cleaner sewer water. <laughs> they don't have the the waters of of Winnetonka. Yeah, that's just yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the sewer waters of Bulgaria or wherever they're you know they're shooting there. Let me ask you this, Katie. This is something that we've been trying to get everyone's opinions on, especially with Blade Two in terms of the blood pack. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on one Donnie Yen? Do you have do you have any thoughts on Mr. Yen? Not particularly. That is fair. That is fair. We just got it. We've got to inquire here because there's been a kind of a feeling of misusage or underusage of one Donnie Yen and uh, to what he could truly do. Right. Because when Del when I heard Del Toro was working with Donnie Yen, I'm like, oh. Fuck he's, yeah. He's going to go crazy. And then he just got to kind of stand around and hold a sword and point at that yeah, vampire. I mean, yeah, he kind of was. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it's like, I mean, he definitely they definitely could have given him more lines and more to do. Because, I mean, I feel like he just 
I mean, he definitely got eaten more than anybody else um, <laughs> of any of the characters. <laughs> he got the worst death. But uh, other than that, I just, uh, yeah, he definitely could have had more a significant presence on screen or as a character and whatnot. Here, 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 here. Yeah, now, here's absolutely. the big question. Would your genius be regulars at the House of Pain 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably, uh, maybe. Because Genius has said before, he was kind of dabbled into the club kid. Oh, yeah. I was a club kid at heart, man. I was a club kid. I would have totally gone to the House of Pain. Fuck, you would have saw me at the Blood Rave from the first one. You know what I'm saying? I'd, just, I'd be dancing out to Darude Sandstorm. I'd totally be, and I'd go to the House of Pain. Fuck, you'd see me out dancing with Jessica Biel from Blade Three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would totally go to all those clubs. You know, you already know I'd be a naughty vampire god. You already know I'd totally be the naughty vampire god. So of course you'd see me at the clubs, especially back in 2002. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, because I'm 21 at the time. Those are my club days. Oh, yeah. That's just it. We were definitely all a little bit more vital, you know, back then. Had a little bit more energy, potentially. Mm -hmm. Didn't creak and moan as much. I feel like um, I probably would have gone to the House of Pain once. I feel like I would have gone more to the vampire club in queen of the damned i feel like that would have been my go-to yeah that would have been i don't know just with the style and everyone that was there and just it was a little bit more subtle maybe i don't know it's like mm, uh, okay i gotta go so are we saying um, but, you're siding more on the new metal side than kind of the techno side potentially yeah probably probably that um <laughs> but see this is euro techno this is yeah. like this is the like cooler the creme de la crop yeah. of techno. <laughs> that cool underground stuff that we don't hear for like, you know, until a year later. I said it before and I'll say it again. There's no trash like Euro trash. I'm telling <laughs> there you. There you go. <laughs> so other thoughts on Blade 2 um, as you came back to this one here, Katie? Oh, Blade 2. One of the things, um, <laughs> bringing up 2002, one of the things I made it, I think made it so 2002 is um 2002 is a 2002 tool matt schultz who um is in a number of 2002 or 2001 films where he's just a dick um and having him in blade 2 it's like okay so this basically you have kind of you know narrowed down the field of what you know the time period is for me because he was in fast and furious he was in torque oh yeah dick 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 yeah dude that he's, professional yeah, asshole. He's, he's Vince in Fast and Furious. Yes. And I feel like, you know, that early millennium, it's like he was the go-to ass of, you know, all these movies. <laughs> and it's starter extraordinaire. Should not be discounted how hard he rocks a um, mesh shirt in the original oh, Fast, yeah. Fast and Furious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh. a little upset we didn't get him rocking that as a member of the Blood Pack. I'm surprised we didn't get Norman Reedus rocking one of those little mesh shirts. I swear, and you know what? This, this could be a Mandela effect because I mean, I swear <laughs> now that you're saying that, that I, where have I seen him in that mesh shirt? Norman Reedus? Fast and Furious. Yeah. Oh, Norm, no, Norman no, Reedus. Not Norm, oh, Norman Reedus was in a mesh shirt? Was it in that? No, no, no. 
that's the thing. You saying that it's like, well, no, didn't he wear a mesh shirt at one time? I, I, I wore a mesh shirt green. at one time, you know, yeah. in sleepaway <laughs> camp screenings will do. Right. I mean, maybe in Pandorum. Uh, see, now you got to go back to his Imdaba and actually now do you if you Google search Norman Reedish mesh shirt. Do we dare <laughs> do that? Just, you wind up on a, a walking dead list. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, what? And see, trust me, now that you say as, that, I'm like automatically like why do i feel like i saw him in a mess shirt i thought it was this movie maybe not as the co-host of media rewind being on the walking dead list is not that bad you know i mean i'm sure i mean we're talking about hillbilly justice norman reed is here i'm sure he has a mess shirt i'm sure i'm sure he has a mess shirt I'm, i'm absolutely positive now is it a cursed search thing there katie do you get like blank images come up when you pull that up because I can't imagine mesh shirt. Norman Reedus mesh shirt. Yeah, it's just I mesh do, I'm, shirt. I'm um, Norman Reedus mesh shirt, and all I'm getting is the the closest to it is the when he was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, and he's got a shirt that says "Bite Me." <laughs> okay, that's I guess maybe it's a... not mesh, and the bite is definitely written in. Okay, well. so I guess you I guess it is Mandela effect. And, and Mandela you know what? effect. Regardless, I know. That whatever world that does exist in, that's probably a better world. Oh, and I'm sure, like, if you do search deep enough, I'm sure with all the fan fiction, you're going to find some yeah. hand-drawn thing yeah. of Norman Reedus in a mesh shirt. I'm I'm sure of it. And, and only a mesh shirt. He's, he's I know. Well, and now it, there's another Entertainment Weekly where it says Norman Reedus, and it's he's got a cherry in his mouth, and it says, suck it, Negan. I mean, I'm loving the captions of all his entertainment weekly i'm going to miss your um physical copies of your magazines like these are these are just gold yeah i'm telling you that it it was a uh doctor office staple you know if you don't want to read if you don't want to read medical journals or like whatever highlights or or highlights or golf digest (laughs) you have the entertainment weekly that was my saving grace in so many fucking uh waiting rooms I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly for a couple of years back in the early 2000s, my club days. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, between that and like Empire Magazine, yeah, that's where you went to for movie news. Yeah, oh, the the distant times of the 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 2002s. So, final thoughts on Blade Two before we switch over to the old folks' home here, Katie. I mean, I think Blade Two really does emphasize uh, 2002, uh, at least 2002 horror. It's dark. You've got the techno music. You've got the overstylized people that are just where do they get these outfits before they start um, killing vampires? I mean, that is that is 2002. <laughs> Cannot disagree. Cannot disagree. So from, and you got Del Toro sharpening his fangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, from the club kids to the former club kids, we're going from Blade 2 to Bubba Hotep. And again, another just weird Coscarellian film. So, Katie, what is your background uh, with an aged Elvis and maybe JFK? <sighs> well, guys, I have to say, um, So I saw this for the first time on the big screen a few years ago. It was not my favorite movie. I um, stuck with it. I thought it was hokey. Um, Yeah, it was just a hard thing. And when I, um, when you guys told me that, you know, these were going to be the two (laughs) films that we were going to talk about, I'm like, 
All right, let me let me find someone who has it. Let me rewatch it because I mean, this was a few four or five years ago that I watched it, and I borrowed someone's VHS, and I have to say. I actually feel like I have more of a kinship to it on VHS and that if I'd seen it first on VHS, I probably would have liked it initially more. Um, I, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, Aussie Davis. I mean, I, I always love Aussie Davis, no matter wh- whatever he is in, but the music is absolutely fantastic. Um, Still think it's a little hokey, uh, you know, the whole just tug on it a little from um, Elvis <laughs> is um, definitely one of my favorite lines in the film. Um, but I also love, I really do love the ending. Mm. I love the ending that it's just a one or done. You don't need to go on. I mean, they did their thing. They died like knights. And um, yeah. I, uh, you know, what, you know, thank you guys for having me, um, revisit this again. Cause again, seeing it on VHS and my little TV that I bought last year with the VHS that I can pop in, I really do like it more. Wait, so you have the VCR TV combo. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. But I think yes. like that says something, adding a little bit, something to the mm-hmm. grit, that, that, that grit, adding that grain, adding that worn feel Mm -hmm. to it because this is an older movie about older shenanigans it doesn't need to be glossy i don't think there needs to be like a 4k restoration Mm -hmm. cut they need what they need to do is they need to have like a backwards you know backwards compatibility like take something brand new make it through the ringer and look like it was filmed in 1970 and i'm sure like a lot of movies would significantly be better for it you know um and I think this is one of them. Again, I'm kind of with Katie. When the first time I saw this one, I was like, yeah, it was good. It was fun. And But I was like lukewarm on it. And even like the first time we started talking about this on the one, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. It wasn't until like this last time with Dustin that I got even a better appreciation for it now. So this is like <laughs> kind of like Elvis. It's a grower, not a shower. So like, <laughs> so... <laughs> so I don't know. It's one of those ones that you know it wears you. You know it it warms your heart later on down the line. And I think like if you would have shown this movie, if you showed this movie to an eighteen year old, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have the same like punch as it would to like a thirty eight year old. You know. Well, and even yeah. looking at like your relationship with Del Toro, what's your relationship with Coscarelli like? Just in terms of you know his previous films, were you fan? Uh, fan, you know, where they need that stand out for you? Because uh, Coscarelli did Child's Play, correct? No, Coscarelli did, uh, he uh, did Phantasm, Phantasm and Beastmaster. And oh, John dies right. at the end. Um, who did? Uh, um, Tom Holland did Child's Play. There we go. He did, didn't he? Oh, he didn't write Child. Um, so Phantasm, uh, the first one mm-hmm. is, I think, uh, I mean, I own it. I think it's a little like watching it. It's, you know, definitely, it seems like an independent uh, horror <laughs> film, just a little bit, a little bit uh, more finessed or the way they do a couple things like making the tall man's uh, suit just a little, little smaller than it should be. Um, so that one I was okay with. I also liked the phantasm where James LaGrosse uh, replaces the kid. I think that's phantasm too. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Phantasm, is it six? Five. Ravager. Five. So the recent Phantasm, I walked out. Okay. I walked out, um, and I'll tell you why. Because from the first Phantasm to that Phantasm, knowing that the child who played um, the lead, the fact that his acting ability did not progress even a slight bit higher in those 40 years annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> um, and I just, I just couldn't love Reggie Bannister. I think he's great. I actually liked him in um, Bubba Hotep mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Beastmaster. I'm aging myself right now, big time. Beastmaster, I saw in the theaters when it came out, kids. Whoa. Um, now, here's the thing. I'm not saying I was a teenager or even close to being a teenager. I was far too young to be seeing that film in the theater. And yet I did, because for some reason, Tanya Roberts and PG, but she could be completely naked. I do not understand the 80s. I do not understand the 80s. Another However, place. I'm very familiar with Tanya Roberts' breasts in different <laughs> movies that I got to see in the theater because they did not um, rate those um, films correctly. So Beastmaster, I was a... Okay, wait. I'm going to say Beastmaster. I was a fan of... That makes it sound like I was a fan of Tanya Roberts' breasts. They're great. I'm not saying I'm not, but um, I was a fan of Beastmaster mainly because of Mark Singer. Le- he could wear that loincloth, like, yeah. oh, work it, boy, work it. Um, and actually, I'm also um, was a uh, was it Good Times? Um, John Amos. Good Times was my favorite TV show, so yes. I was a major fan of. Um, oh my God, I'm John Amos. John James. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yes. Funny you said you walked out on a Phantasm oh Ravenger. Oh we haven't told this story in a while. Um, so <laughs> one time when it, pre- when it premiered, right, we hosted a big event. And there was a whole big screen. And we're like, ladies and gentlemen, Phantasm Ravenger, right? And then we come out afterwards. Ravenger. It's total silence in the theater. The credits, where everybody's just waiting for a credit stinger. It comes up. There's a brief beat. And you just hear from the audience. Boo! I've never in my entire life heard an audience boo a movie until then. And I couldn't, I didn't do nothing but laugh because I was like, yeah, that movie was rough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can count on my hands. And I mean, that's, you know, minus a number of fingers, how many times I have walked out of a film. That and that is definitely one of them. I just, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. That's okay. It's again, that's one of those. It's, it's kind of a rough film. Now that being said, in terms of your journey then with Coscarelli or Coscarelli <laughs> adjacent, going back to Bubba Hotep, um, I mean, and we talked about it before. The premise itself seems like the start of a joke. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, maybe fa- you know an Elvis impersonator, you know a black man that thinks he's JFK, a mummy cowboy, and then that again goes to like we were talking about your uh, people's familiarity with Coscarelli movies. Also, that kind of goes into your familiarity with Elvis. If you just <laughs> notice Elvis is like a big old caricature of himself, like a banana sandwich, this turn real huge. If that's all you know him from, yeah. But if you like grew up with Elvis or was a fan of Elvis, mm-hmm. this. Take might actually be one of a good one for you, or might just sour you. 
you know, because Elvis is old and frail and like talking about a growth on his pecker, you know, so. <laughs> well, I did listen to the Mick Garris podcast when he had Don Coscarelli and Joe R. Lansdale on. And number one, hearing Joe R. Lansdale and his Southern drawl talk, you can <laughs> hear like every little, you know, lick the dog dick of Anibus or something, whatever. You can hear that in his voice, which is awesome. And <laughs> I think you mentioned it's like Southern fried horror genius. Mm -hmm. Did you say something along those yeah. lines? Mm -hmm. And you've got a lot of these just despairing elements that depending on your frame of reference, your your um, age, you know, age, it could just totally go over your head. We're all of the uh, more experienced variety, I'd like to think. So I do remember the the um, kind of the last bits of Elvis mania for the most part. But I remember his meaning yeah. to what he did, you know, uh, in culture. So I don't know. Um, Bruce Campbell, Katie, do you think this is a pretty good, decent Elvis impression? Honestly, I think this is one of his better performances. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think this is definitely one of his better performances. And I think he did a, a pretty good Elvis impression. Again, then I'm thinking about how I felt about it when I first saw it. And I would say no. At, when I first saw it, I did not think he did a good um, Elvis impression. But now, you know, seeing it on VHS, uh, yeah, I think it's not too bad. I mean, honestly, the whole story seems like, you know, someone had a pitch meeting with a studio and they um, it got shredded or lit on fire or their dog took a crap on it. And they had to get some Mad Libs. It's like, okay, name a famous person, um, singer who's died, Elvis. Uh, name a famous um, uh, politician who's been assassinated, uh, uh, JFK. Uh, what What's something that um, you would never think would happen? Um, a mommy. Okay, and go. So here's the story. <laughs> the problem is, though, I'm kind of like, I'm going to watch that. I'll buy a ticket for that. I know. <laughs> Yeah, because it just maybe, sounds weird enough. Yeah, you go from like, you know, Janis Joplin, you know, buddying up with an Andrew Garfield, imper no, not Andrew Garfield, but President, uh, shit. President Andrew Garfield, there right. There we go, thank you. I'm or you have like... Too soon with Spider-Man. You have, uh, but, but you know, you would have stuff like Abraham Lincoln, Zombie Hunter now. True, you know? true. Yeah. So, so it kind of set maybe the, the stage. The precedence of just weird things versus weird monsters, you know? But you could have like, yeah... Mama Cass, <laughs> Mama Cass, <laughs> and um, who else got assassinated? Robert See? Kennedy Jr. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Kennedy Jr. Oh, Robert F. Kennedy versus <laughs> vampires. I, have that has that not been done? Actually, was that not an asylum flick? Was that not like sci-fi? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not shocked that doesn't exist. But that just goes to show you how this could be a mess of a movie. But as Katie says, it features an amazing Bruce Campbell performance. Uh, it mm -hmm. features I and I'll I'll harp on this till the day I die. At this point, it features a message about getting older and dealing with age and shit. Maybe this could play as a double feature with X, just in terms yeah. of some of the themes yeah. going on there because yeah. it is these are elderly that and I guarantee you there are some elderly folks out there that are going to go and watch X that grew up probably saw Nosferatu, you know, in you know a silent theater and because there are still old horror fans out there. Hell, you could probably put this mm -hmm. as a double feature with an amusement park. With an amusement park? Ooh. No, with amuse with oh. George Romero's amusement park. Oh, yes. God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Horrors of getting older. Oh, that that still. I don't know if I want to watch that again. That's a rough movie. That's a really that's a rough, rough movie. Really 
rough movie. <laughs> that made me cry. Yeah. That made me cry only. And I'll tell you why, because nothing has changed, you guys. I mean, that was made 50 years ago. And honestly, how much has changed? It's still so relevant today. Yeah. And in fact, it's got things have gotten worse. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's it's if you all have not watched it, it was available to view on Shutter at one point. It still is. Mm-hmm. Oh, but oof, what it's... did we pair it with our Shutter shout out? Was that in Creepshow too? Yeah, because we were doing kind of Ro- Romero and Romero adjacent. Oh, <laughs> good lord, good lord! Yeah, so if you, if you want to spend forty five minutes that will fuck your mind up, yeah, and will haunt you. <laughs> then that's a great way. Brought to you by the Mormon Church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the like the, you know the best thing George A. Rome ever ever did was convince the Mormon Church that he didn't do horror. You know, it's, yeah. it's perfect. It's perfect. The Kaiser Soze of yep. horror there. So, other thoughts on Bubba Hotep before we uh, put these two head to head here, Katie? Uh, yeah. No, I think what we discussed, but you know, Bubba Hotep, it really does. You know, you have a point that with X, it really does like, you know, um, the elderly are people that we need to respect and need to know they still have so much life and have lived so much life. And that doesn't mean that you need to disregard them just because it's hard for them to walk or to function because, uh, you know, that's what life is. I mean, you come in crapping your pants, you're probably going to leave crapping your pants. And, you know, in between you make so many memories with different people that you leave on this earth and um, just, you know, let people have the respect of, you know, as the same respect that they enter, it should be the same respect as they leave. And I think with Bubba Hotep, you know, they got to have that. They got to live their lives and die in the way they wanted to um, die. Like I said, like two um, nights of the round table, you know, conquering this monster to um, save everyone else, even if, and, and no one will know what they did. At least they, you know, ended everything on their terms. Oh, mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it makes me cheer up at oh. the end. Oh. Now, <laughs> obviously a lot of love are given bo- to both of these films, but only one can be representative of 2002 in the round of the frightful four. And here in the round of the Hateful Eight, we do have two bits of criteria that we look at. And of course, this first one's a little abstract. It's a little weird. But we ask all of us to create our own definition, philosophy, aesthetic of what horror was like in 2002. And then based on that, which of the two films fit it better? So, Katie, we're going to have you start as a guest. Uh, uh, yeah, how, do you, how, do you, how did you tackle this one? Uh, I don't know. Because, I mean... I gotta say, you know, after thinking about Bubba Hotep and then after thinking about Blade 2, each one of them sort of set different precedents in horror. Because, I mean, with Bubba Hotep, you really, it really set the stage that's like, you can make horror out of anything. I mean, since then, you've gotten um, Sharknado and um, all these crazy things going on. And then with Blade 2, I mean, it's the, you know, practically everything on screen big and small has changed the way they've looked at vampires um you know and i you know like as i said before the strain and then i'm thinking of um uh the ryan murphy um vampires that are out there too that are doing the same thing oh god this is hard because i can't i mean 
I don't know. Now that I'm thinking of it, I kind of would say that Bubba Hotep, I think, is kind of um, representing more of 2002, just really uh, changing the way people look at horror and bringing out different things that you wouldn't think would be horror and um, turning that into a decent horror film. Very well spoken. Very well spoken. So a vote for Bubba Hotep, Genius McGee. 2002, Blade 2 all the way. You got <laughs> shiny leathery leather, right? <laughs> yeah. You got European techno all over the place, right? <laughs> you got like Wesley Snipes. You got like Ron Perlman. You got all these things. Norm, early Norman Reedus. I mean, Bubba Hotep, I think, is more of a... Uh, universal thing because even though it's set in 2002 it looks like it could be 80s it looks like it could be you know 90s it's old folks home it's dusty old texas dusty old texas has been dusty old texas since dusty old texas was around (laughs) right so but blade 2 with (laughs) right and everybody looks like matrix like yeah, that screams early aughts. Nope. So Blade Two is my my choice. That is perfect. Well, well worth it. And I went a little bit more really abstract with this one, but technically, here in two thousand two, at this point, we're about a year removed from nine eleven, and that is something a you know a, a worldwide event. You know that w- effects were felt worldwide, including I think in the world of horror, because what I found was immediately afterwards. There was this idea of togetherness, of unifying against uh, this this horrible evil that's out there. And the idea I was thinking of is like this idea of unification despite differences or kind of like unlikely pairings that we would find ourselves in. And if you look at a few of the films in 2002, between like May, Queen of the Damned, Reign of Fire, Vampires, 28 Days Later... It's about these people coming together and can we overcome our differences and fight the bigger monster. Based on that, both of our films actually have despairing kind of people coming together. In Blade 2, you've got Blade teaming up with the very people that were designed to take him out. And now, needless to say, that collaboration I don't think really worked that well because it's it's Ron Perlman, it's that mesh shirt guy from the Fast and Furious. You know, there's always agendas there, <laughs> you know. But needless to say, Blade saves the day at the end. But in Bubba Hotep, you've got Elvis and John F. Kennedy coming together, and that's a collaboration you wouldn't think that would work, but it does. And we have good fallout from that, good mojo, as 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 uh, Elvis might say. And because of the coming together and the ultimate vanquishing and staying together, my vote is going to go to Bubba Hotep. Now, Woo! that being said, no. <laughs> these are films we're talking about 20 years since their release. And the real question is, which of the two films will we still be talking about 20 years later? Katie, I'm going to throw that one out to you. Ooh. Um, I, ah, <laughs> that's, how, I don't know. I mean, that's hard. Cause I mean, look, I wasn't talking about Bubba Hotep until you had me <laughs> review it, um, or re-review it. Um, I think it'll probably be Blade 2. 
uh, again, mainly because of the vampire effects and, you know, opening up a whole new world of what the vampire looks like and not this sexy, you know, long cape, <laughs> all that stuff, but more of the monster with the uh, predator face just gobbling up and sucking your, um, making you into this disgusting thing, which no one wants. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be Blade 2. Excellent work. Genius McGee. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo with Katie. Not a lot of people are talking about Bubba Hotep now. You know, yeah. a lot of people weren't talking about Bubba Hotep when it came out. Blade 2, people were talking about. Blade, because it led to Blade 3. We're having a Blade, a new Blade movie coming out. And I think when people start looking back 20 years from now, they're going to be like, do you remember in the 2020s when every superhero movie was in there? Oh, yeah, that's when it started. And somebody's going to say, no, 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 no. It started with Blade yeah. back in the day. And then it's going to reverse engineer so i think blade has more legs than bubba hotep not saying not saying that bubba hotep's not good but i think in horror circles mm -hmm. you're gonna have those hardcore horror hounds that are gonna say yeah but what about bubba hotep but you're gonna have more normies and more people talking about what about blade 2 <laughs> plus it's del toro i mean yeah coscarelli is famous among horror circles but he's a very niche yeah director yeah. even amongst horror fans you either really like his stuff or you don't del toro he's a academy award winner <laughs> yes guillermo del toro you know uh -huh. one of his first big budget movies was is this movie so i think for that we're going to be talking about it and now i just want like some weird wacky comedy called what about blade what about blade he's going through therapy <laughs> you know he was learning to walk during the day but see that's the thing he's the, 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 he's still Blade, but his uh, therapist is still Richard Dreyfus, and still just like, ah, Daywalker! <laughs> he gets all pissed off and shit. God damn it, god damn it. Now, I do think we will be talking about both of these films 20 years from now, regardless. And I think it is based on the strengths of the filmmakers involved as well. Now, because both of these, you go, oh, you remember when Del Toro did that Blade sequel? And people go, oh shit, that's right. Same thing. Yeah, remember when Coscarelli made that, you know, fake Elvis movie with the cowboy mummy? Oh, shit, that's right. But I think because we're all we're all getting older, and I think the baggage we bring each time we watch a movie like this, that yes, at one point with Blade 2, I keep watching and I still get hyped. But even this time, I felt a little tired afterwards because I was like, God damn, I, I don't know if I can keep up with that. <laughs> with Bubba Hotep, I watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit older. And uh, yeah, you know, you, you know, touch it a little. You know, that that resonates a little bit more with me. God help me a little bit more than, you know, you all need to know. And because I think it's something we all deal with, I think we will all come back to Bubba Hotep 20 years from now. That being said, we have a tie. Which, in the case of a tie, we are going to look at the cover of an old faithful magazine. Genius, what are we going to be doing here? Going to be taking a look on the cover of the old thing. Go, going to buy one copy for my mother. Going to watch some movies on Shutter. Going to see my gruesome face on the cover of the old thing. Go. <laughs> Now, this is where we should have had video component for that, Katie. <laughs> but you should also see the look of nerves on this man's face right now for what he's afraid of what happens. But we do refer to the cover of the old faithful Fangoria magazine. And in 2002, one of these films did indeed grace the cover. And we're not talking the film strip. We're talking the main cover. cover. So um, I guess in this case, prepare yourself 
uh, raving its way. Frightful four. Frightful four. Blade two has bested Bubba Hotep and will represent. I'm going to start just. Hold on. Wait. Now, anyone that's not. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots. You're about to give me an epileptic fit here with all the turning and off and all of the lights here, genius. That almost makes up for Don't Let Go. Well, joining the likes of The Thing and Candyman into the round of the Frightful Four, we do have Guillermo del Toro's Blade Two, and we would not have gotten there without the help of our favorite blonde in front, Katie Glidewell. Katie, this number one has been a blast. Oh, I yay. <laughs> always legitimately enjoy you having on here, and let's mm-hmm. make sure we do this again sooner rather than later. In yes. fact, ideally, if you're here in person for Panic Fest, we need to talk. We need oh, yeah. to have some dispatches. Yes. Oh, yeah. So again, tell our listeners again, where can they find you out on the social media to further their education in the Blonde in Front? You can find me on the Blonde in Front, and that is the, T-H-E, Blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E-I-N, in um, Front, F-R-O-N-T, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I've got my video reviews and just insights and different screenings and what, you know, social media and I like to wish um, Basic Instinct a happy 30th yeah. Scream Day today. Yes. That's right. If that doesn't make you feel make you feel old, I don't know what will. <laughs> well, we actually did that as a Friday Night Fright mm-hmm. because we kind of went oh, really? horror adjacent. Yeah. But if anything, to see Michael Douglas's beanbag up on the big screen yeah. cannot go wrong. Cannot go wrong. And those sweater scrubs he was wearing to that to that Blade Euro t- uh, rave. <laughs> Roxy wasn't uh. looking foxy that day. So, what films from 2012 will be joining our three that are supporting right now? Well, you just have to wait till Monday to find out. So, until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>